Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talk Junkies, where tonight's going to be a very interesting night, as it is each and every single week here at Talk Junkies. <clears throat> if you're interested, listen in to, it was about a week and a half ago's podcast, we had our buddy Carl on, check it out, we just talked about a little bit about <clears throat> the Kyle Rittenhouse, um, uh, things that are going on, just the justice system, and then we went a little phil- philosophical with it, it's a pretty interesting podcast, so check that out if you are interested, but tonight... The world is being polarized right now. I think that's an understatement on COVID-19 and everything that's going on with it. We have new variants. We have new lockdowns in other countries. We have uh, camps in in other countries. If you want to call them internment camps, whatever it is you want to call it, you have uh, vaccine passports being pushed on to countries. You have people not being able to participate in society due to COVID in other countries. And there's no better person to bring on to talk about COVID and the effects that it has in the world today other than Dr. Joel Hirschhorn. How you doing, sir? Hi. Good to be with you. Thanks for uh, coming on, man. We've had you on before when you talked about uh, with the pandemic. I think it was a couple months ago, but there's a lot of new information right now. Yes. And I don't know if you want to go into the Omicron variant or variants in specific or whatever it is. How, where do you want to lead this to, my man? Well, I just, uh, you know, I, I did an article on Omicron uh, maybe a week ago because uh, I was one of the few people, I guess, maybe the only one in the United States that found this research uh, by a, a, a great French medical researcher, scientist. And uh, somebody uh, somebody wrote me from France, actually, to cue me in about the, his research. And then I, so I went and looked at it. And this man is just a genius. Uh, it turned out that he had developed this, uh, this method to study and evaluate uh, COVID variants. And he had, I mean, it's kind of amazing. He was able to develop a single parameter, uh, a number, a single number per variant, which tells the world how uh, how bad the variant is, how transmissible it is. So I looked at his data and he had data running from the beginning of the pandemic, the early strain of the virus. And he had originally done it through Delta. And then when I caught up with his work, he had just published uh, the work for Omicron. Well, what was amazing, so there is this table of data that I've put out in my articles, and it showed that the Delta variant was very, very bad. I mean, this guy, you know, at a, at a kind of molecular level could study the variants, their intricate molecular structure, and come up with one number. So that number for Delta was like 10 point something, and, and the number for all the previous variants were like eight point something. And then he did it for Omicron. And what does he discover for Omicron? Is that that T, what he called the T parameter, the transmissible parameter, is again, eight point something. So his conclusion and my conclusion from studying his work was that Omicron never posed a real threat. All the, all the hysteria about Omicron if you believe this French research is nonsense. And then I started to look at all the early cases of where they found Omicron around the world. And in every case that I found, uh, the person 
who, who got Omicron variant infection uh, had been vaccinated, interestingly enough, and had no serious symptoms. In fact, to this day, and I did this work about maybe two weeks ago, to this day, I don't think anyone has died because of Omicron variant infection. So what I always try to do in my work on, on COVID is dig into the data and tell the truth to the public because I want the public to have good information, not the disinformation, misinformation and propaganda that comes from mainstream media. So everything that the mainstream media immediately was doing and saying about Omicron was all nonsense. And it's still nonsense today. Anybody, any government agency that is locking down or requiring you know, mandates of any kind because of Omicron, that's all a fabrication. It's all nonsense. Uh, this French research <laughs> is the kind of research that I always look forward to finding solid medical research uh, by a distinguished scientist, okay? So Omicron is nonsense. Uh, uh, and, and this French guy, you know, he explained why Omicron is not deadly and is not terribly transmissible. Even though it has a lot of mutations, it turns out, I mean, this guy, again, I, I can't even, you know, I'm not enough of the same kind of scientist to get into the molecular details, but I can read his research and understand it. And I know he's got it right. So uh, that's the latest thing that I, I got into, one of the, uh, the issues that I got into, telling the truth about Omicron. Not to worry, Delta is still the primary variant around the world and in the United States. The people that we see dying, and dying every day, you know, every day I look at data. And just this evening, just in the last, you know, four hours or so, I was looking at new data from the state of Vermont. And that Vermont turns out to be uh, the state in the United States that has the highest rate of uh, vaccination. And what does their data showing? All of a sudden people are dying in Vermont and they're dying from what we call breakthrough infections. In other words, these again are vaccinated people who are getting infected with now surely the Delta variant, okay? And some of them are dying. And, and, and there's this propaganda coming from uh, government agencies. And, you know, they, when they talk about breakthrough infections, people who are vaccinated and then get reinfected, basically, it make it sound like it's innocent. Well, let me tell you, people are dying every day from breakthrough infections, okay? And then I got new data today also from the United Kingdom. And it's amazing data. Their government data is so much better than our CDC data. And what did the new data show? Four times as many deaths, COVID deaths, in vaccinated people, nearly four times as many deaths in vaccinated people than in unvaccinated people. So what, so, do, you, what do you tell the people that... They, and, and again, I know that you talked about mainstream media and it's uh, propaganda and all this stuff, but a lot of people watch this, the, the mainstream media, and this is where they yes. get a lot of their news. It's frustrating. Yes. But my question to you would be, how do we reach those people? And what do you tell them when they say the reason that all these vaccinated people are dying and, and these new variants are becoming a thing is because it's because of the unvaccinated. What do you say to that? Well, obviously it's a pandemic of the vaccinated now. That's a much better phrase to use. 
because it's vaccinated people again. The UK data, imagine nearly four times number of deaths in vaccinated people than in unvaccinated. Amazing data. And, you know, why is this happening? It's happening because the vaccines don't work. Not only don't they work, they're not safe. And I've written a bunch of articles that people, the number that I'm using now, how many Americans have died just from taking the vaccines? The number that I think is credible and based on sound analysis that I've looked at and studied is at least 150,000 Americans. That's an amazing number. 150,000 Americans have died just from the COVID vaccines. Okay. That's, that's and alarming. It's amazing. I mean, it's, to me, it's amazing. Is that when the, I think back about, you know, how many people died on 9-11, how many people just uh, died at Pearl Harbor. It was like 3,000 people in each of those events. So now I'm looking at 150,000 Americans dying from taking the vaccine shots. And by the way, look at the CDC data for what they call COVID-related deaths. We are now approaching 800,000 COVID-related deaths, according to CDC. And every study that looked at CDC, their data says they underestimate all the bad things. So 800,000 people, these numbers are staggering. Okay, so I just finished writing a new article today, actually, saying that the entire effort by the public health establishment in the United States, the entire effort has been a colossal failure. I mean, that's the only way to get two years into this pandemic. They have done all the wrong things. And I've written, you know, new articles in the last week pointing out that we know how to save lives, not control lives, and before, but how to save lives. But before we get into that, why do, and, and you wrote a wonderful article, and I think I, that was the last one that you wrote, and I, and I read it, and, it, and, and it's a beautiful article, by the way. Thank you for that. Why, though, do a lot of these hospitals and the mainstream media and even our government, why are they pushing this, this type of reaction to COVID? And why is it only this? This is the only way we have to continue to vaccinate, even though that, like you said, uh, these vaccines and even the boosters only last for a couple months to six months. And then it, then it drops off and then you're going to get COVID again and you're going to have to get another booster. Why are they pushing this type of style of approach towards COVID? If they know it doesn't work and is it, is it money? I know they say follow yes. the money, but that's that's the, they just want to line the pockets of it, big pharma. <laughs> I'm sorry, the only explanation that I and others have ever come up with that makes any sense, it's follow the money. This is all about a kind of conspiracy or collusion between Fauci, public health establishment, medical establishment, big media, you know, uh, big government, big pharma. It's all about money. It's all about making billions, if not trillions of dollars from these vaccines. There is no other explanation that I can find because, again, I want to emphasize that every, at every step of the way, beginning in early 2020, okay, the first year of the pandemic, really, early 2020, we had, I had data, I was looking at data from Dr. Zelenko in New York and from a great French guy, uh, Dr. Didier, and they, they were finding out that they were saving lives 
where people seriously ill with COVID, at that time, early 2020, they were using hydroxychloroquine. And then in coming months and following months, uh, they also started to use ivermectin. And it's a, so we knew from early 2020, mind you, that there were these cheap generic drugs that had been around for decades that were safe and that actually treated COVID very effectively. They kept people out of the hospital. They kept people from dying. By the way, latest figure from uh, two doctors that are my favorites, George Fareed uh, in California and his partner, Brian Tyson, have treated uh, 7,000, over 7,000 patients with COVID, right? Nobody has died. <laughs> By using 7,000. Zelenko in New York has treated about 6,000. I don't think anybody has died in his group either. By using so, ivermectin? Uh, they're using, uh, they're still using hydroxychloroquine in California and ivermectin. They, depending on the patient, they're still using both of them, basically. Uh, the protocols, uh, that are available, and I put in my articles actually lately, uh, mostly they're using more ivermectin today than, than hydroxychloroquine. In fact, I just, I just wrote another article just the other day because I found these interesting cases, and these are proven cases, where ivermectin saved the lives of very seriously ill people in hospitals. These are people on ventilators mostly very elderly people on their deathbed, okay? And family members get a lawyer and they go to court. And I have now about, I think five or six of these cases where the lawyers went to court successfully with much effort, forced the hospital to let a doctor give ivermectin to these very, very ill elderly people these are people on their deathbed, given a 10 or 20% chance of living, okay? And in all these cases, within a day or two, the patients, a couple of doses of ivermectin, a couple of days, they're home free. In fact, they're all discharged from the hospital <laughs> perfectly well. Now, what's amazing about this, most of us thought ivermectin made a lot of sense when you first contracted the virus, the disease, in the first few days or a week, it would really help. And, it's, and it works that way too. And part of the article that I've you know, recently distributed is that I also have a bunch of cases where people, some famous people have taken ivermectin as soon as they got COVID. And then in a few days that they got cured. So now we have these two extremes, ivermectin working when you first get COVID and ivermectin amazingly working when you're deadly ill with COVID in the hospital on a ventilator, in some cases in the hospital for weeks, or uh, I think six weeks, some of the cases, and ivermectin works even in that situation, this is pretty fucking amazing to me. So ivermectin to me is an, an incredible story. And then I just did an, an article the other day also and I'm trying to create positive stories here on how to save lives. So we know ivermectin works, can save lives. And the other thing that I did a bunch of research on was vitamin D. Now I've been taking myself, I take ivermectin now as a prophylactic and I take a lot of vitamin D. I've been doing that for a long time. 
But I found all of this research, and by the way, new German research. The best research is not in the US anymore. The best research tends to be mostly in Europe today. Which, so this guy in Germany that does an incredible piece of research, publishes an article, and, and what he's able to do, he's able to determine the exact level of vitamin D in your blood that you need, okay, to be safe from COVID. And I went and did you know, in-depth research, and it turns out that the odds are most Americans are deficient in vitamin D. Uh, the one article I found said, I think it was 42% from Cleveland Clinic, but that was before the German work when the level of vitamin D that you need is much higher than what they used to think. They used to think the number 20 or 30 nanograms per milliliter it turns out the number now is 50, not 20 or 30, but 50. And I'll bet you, and here's the most interesting thing, not only has our public health establishment never promoted taking vitamin D supplements, they never have promoted doing blood testing for vitamin D. I go to my doctor <laughs> and I say to him, I'd like you to measure my next blood test. I want to know, I want to measure my vitamin D. And he says, well, we don't normally do that. He says, I'm not sure your insurance will cover it. I said, well, let's do it anyway. But the point is, our public health establishment didn't push or even allow the wide use of ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, never pushed vitamin D supplementation and the measurement of vitamin D in people's blood. Because vitamin D turns out to be really effective. If you have a good level of vitamin D, you may not need, you certainly don't need a vaccine probably, and you probably don't need even ivermectin. I'm just saying, you know, if you look at the protocols from George Farid in California and, uh, and uh, Dr. Zelenko in New York, some of my favorites, their protocols all include vitamin D. All the good protocols out there from the doctors that I trust include vitamin D. So, we have ivermectin, we have vitamin D. And the third element that I want to stress that I also have included in a new article is obesity. And what's amazing to me is that we know from CDC bad data that at least 30% of hospitalized COVID patients, 30% are obese. Obesity tends to be the one comorbidity, the one underlying medical condition that really spells doom if you get serious COVID infection, obesity. What did the public health establishment do in the last two years? Did they ever talk about obesity? Did they ever mount the national campaign to fight obesity as a way to curb COVID-19 hospitalizations, illness and death? No, they never did. They've never done any of the right things that we know would be saving lives. So I'm writing these articles because I still can't believe that I'm looking at nearly, well, approaching 800,000 COVID-related deaths, okay? That'll go up to a million within probably six months or so. This is insanity. We have the worst, the United States has the worst numbers when it comes to COVID deaths, really. It's, it, we're terrible. And part of the reason is, is because a very high fraction of the American population, you may know this, I think it's 40 or 50%, if not more, are obese. So we have high obesity, 
we have vitamin D deficiency, right? And we have most doctors refusing to prescribe or use ivermectin. This is the world that so can we that, can we dig into in. can we dig in out and dig into that a little bit? Why is there a lot of red tape when it comes to using ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine in these hospitals? Why does it take lawyers to go in while they're watching their family and their loved ones right. on their deathbed? That's at, right. Saying, "Hey, like we've tried all these different treatments that the CDC is saying this right. is what the government says to do. This is what my doctor's saying to do." And it's not working. Like my my relatives about That's to right. die. Why are we not allowing ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or even vitamin vitamin D blood testing? Why is that not happening? You know, because like you said, like it, it's it's saved lives. People who have been on ventilators for weeks at a time and they're taking ivermectin and and they're good. In a few days, they're out. Yeah, yeah. And and and, and you say again, why aren't you know? I work in a hospital too. <laughs> I, I'm telling you. The hospitals follow what the government guidance says, okay? And the government guidance is they, they have not sanctioned yet use of ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. So the hospitals don't use it and they don't want to let anyone in that wants to use it. Some of these court cases are fascinating because in, in the, they, they go in, uh, the family goes in, they get a lawyer, they go into court. The, the court judge says to the hospital, let let them use let their doctor use ivermectin on, on their on their relative and usually the hospital says no by the way the hospital never capitulates right away they go back and refuse the court order so then the family has to spend money on lawyers going back again and again to get a good judge and it's not easy to get a good judge that will force the hospital to obey the order and the only answer I have to you is why they're not letting any of these good things happen is because they still want to push the use of the vaccines. If you believe everything I'm telling you, right, then why would people want to take vaccines when they could get ivermectin or they could, you know, deal with a vitamin D, you know, in, in their system, or they maybe should be pushing to lose weight. I lost 70 pounds in the, in the last two years of this pandemic, 70 pounds, almost a third of my weight, okay? Oh, you can lose weight. People can, you know, get rid of their obesity. But the only answer is to you that the government, the public health establishment wants to keep pressuring the public to use the vaccines and to keep getting booster shots, mind you. And now you have Merck and Pfizer and other companies that are gonna come out and sell these expensive pills, right? That's what they're getting FDA approval for now. The government's spending on Merck $700 for the pill treatment. They're spending $500 for the Pfizer pill treatment. Very expensive when you can use ivermectin and not pay. I, I, I buy all my ivermectin from India. I, Isn't I spend, it like $3 a pill or something crazy like that? Third, I spend 30 to 40 cents for a 12 milligram ivermectin pill, 30 to 40 cents. Jeez. If you go to a drugstore in the United States, if you can find one that has it and that will fill a prescription, they will charge you nearly $5 for a three milligram pill, not 12, three milligram. So that's outrageous, okay? Now just real quick to our viewers because there's a lot of people that have seen stuff from media that have come out about it being a horse dewormer, which, uh. which it is. Which it is yes, used it is. for that, but anybody who knows anything about medicine realizes that 
a lot of similar things are used between animals and humans because sure. we both have very similar biological setups there as far as internally goes. But so much of the media has bashed ivermectin to just be like, oh, look at these idiots using horse dewormer. How right. long has ivermectin been b- prescribed before this um, the pandemic has even happened? It, it's been used quite a bit. As an antiviral, okay. yeah. Yes. Billion, probably billions of doses around the world, widely used around the world. So, okay? and, there, and there is all kinds of factual evidence on this. I know so many people that that just go, "Oh man, look at these idiot people taking horse dewormer," and they just from what they've heard from the media, when it's actually it's been around for a long time, long and time. people have been prescribed it for a yes. long time too. This isn't yes. just a horse dewormer. Like there's oh, no. the same thing. And, like you can get antidepressants for a dog and they work the same way on humans too. Yeah. Like it's just, yes. it's interchangeable. A- anyway, how media has bashed ivermectin from, from the left is almost been like laughable, but it, anyway, 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 sorry. I just wanted yeah, to clarify, I, I, clarify that little piece people, about it. And, and the only reason some people use the, the horse, the wormer uh, version of ivermectin was because they couldn't get a prescription for it from their doctor. And if they got a prescription, most of the big chain drugstores wouldn't fill it. And by the way, even if they were willing to fill it, there is no ivermectin in, in, in the United States. There's a shortage, a severe shortage. I think Merck stopped producing it, okay? So some people, and I, I sent out to my, you know, I have a, a thing on Substack, and I told people where to get ivermectin, where to order it from, it, from India. The best, you get it from India, it comes in three or four weeks. Cheap is very, very cheap. And I think you can trust the drugs. India is the biggest manufacturer of most drugs, including ivermectin. And by the way, the biggest proof of ivermectin working effectively is in India. If you look at the big states in India, they, they got rid of the pandemic, okay? How did they do it? They freely gave out ivermectin in India millions and millions of doses freely and that's true around the world there are a lot of countries never heard that of that were freely distributed yeah, go figure ivermectin yeah, it's legit for sure there was a certain cities in, in specific i forget the names of them and i know exactly what we were talking about joe rogan talked about it in his podcast when he was having that conversation about ivermectin how they were just passing out like candy and knew the, yes. the virus was virtually gone same in indonesia same in a state in uh, lower mexico uh so we know ivermectin works if you look at nations, and we know it works from looking at case studies in the United States. Um, and so and the only reason, again, why Fauci and the public health establishment, they want to push vaccines, only push vaccines, okay? Forget vitamin D, forget ivermectin, forget fighting obesity. <laughs> it's just a corrupt system. It is, and that's crazy that the fact during during this whole pandemic, they've never really talked about health. You know, it's just vaccines and, right. and sanitation and just vaccine, 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 vaccine. And I know you say follow the money, but I don't think it's it's not only the money, but it's control as well. Because, I mean, look what, and, and, and also divide and conquer, because what they've created is just a separated, a separated class. I mean, you know, almost yes. going back to segregation in a sense. Yes. But you see places, and what's weird to me that you talk about these scientists in like Germany and in France, but those are the places that are hit the hardest and you have a lot of good information coming from these scientists, 
and their own countries aren't even listening to them, and they're implementing these very draconian-type measures for a virus that you don't talk about what the real issues are. Well, you're right. But you notice in in Europe right now, there are street riots in many of the major countries, street riots because of what I call pandemic insanity, the mandates, the lockdowns, everything going on in Europe. The public is much more rebellious in Europe than in the United States, okay? So I'm still waiting for the rebellion to happen here in the United States. When will people, now we see some of the resistance here. I was looking at the numbers today. I think I saw a number 40,000 people in the military still have refused to take the uh, vaccine shots. So, and by the way, a lot of organizations, including hospital systems, have now stopped the mandate for the vaccine. They have cut those out. I'm glad to see that happening. Although you have idiots like the mayor of New York City who's putting on mandates, okay? But we still don't, we still can't straighten our lives out here because the, the public health establishment, the medical establishment just has too much power. And, it's, it, and it is political, it's, I agree with you. It has to do with authoritarian government control of people's lives. Rather than save lives, they want to control lives. And, and, and that's the evil that Fauci represents. To me, Fauci is the most, <laughs> the most evil person that we've had around in a long, long time, okay? He is responsible. 800,000 deaths and counting, 150,000 from vaccines alone. My God. And by the way, another million, I wrote an article, <laughs> there, there are another million deaths in the United States uh, because of all of the ill effects of the lockdowns, what yep. they call collateral deaths, okay? So we've had people, a million people died in the United States because of lockdowns, because they didn't get ordinary medical care, okay? Because they went to drug use. They, you know, again, collateral deaths, at least a million people. So when you add it all up, now we're approaching 2 million people dead in this pandemic sort of unnecessarily because from the very beginning, Fauci and the public health establishment, everything they've done is wrong. Masking doesn't work. Lockdowns don't work, okay? All the scientific evidence shows that the things that, and vaccines don't work, not only don't the vaccines work effectively, they're not safe. I'm reading every day, it amazes me how many people are dying or having terribly, look at all the young boys and young men having heart inflammation, myocarditis. Heart inflammation in, in young boys, mostly boys, not girls. This, doctors have never seen this before. I, there's a doctor in Utah who says He's seen a huge increase. He's a pathologist who does autopsies, and he has been seeing a huge increase in cancers since the use of the vaccines. Jesus. We're going to see, my prediction is in the coming months, in the next year or two or three, we're going to see huge numbers of people dying and having terrible, terrible health problems because of all the vaccine shots that, that they have taken. This is a so, serious. So, so you think that's ignorance on their part because that's not something that they would want to have happen. They need people alive long enough to where it kind of fades off, and then they they made their money and they made their power 
kind of position. If people start dying off that quick, then they will actually start to question, you know. Well, they see, but that's my point. Why have they just created this next generation of pills? Look at Merck, look at Pfizer. They, they, these, these people are good business people. They see the handwriting on the wall. They see that their vaccine business is going to die off maybe sooner rather than later. So that's why they've created, and FDA has gone along with this, and they are rapidly approving these new pills from Merck and Pfizer and other companies are coming along. They're all going to get FDA emergency yeah. use authorization. So it's a new business. They're, re they're replacing the vaccines with the pills. So, and that's wild to me. I, it, be, I, and my, my guess would be is they would take some of the ingredients away from ivermectin. That way they can kind of cure their own issues that they've created. Well, I've been told that's exactly what they've done. All they've done is played around with the chemistry of ivermectin so they could get patents, okay? I've been told this by a credible source. They've just played around with the chemistry of ivermectin. But it's working. Uh, FDA is approving, by the way, those pills again, just like they did with vaccines. No long-term clinical testing of the effectiveness or the safety of these new pills, just like they never did long-term clinical testing of the vaccines. Just going to roll it right out. Oh, yeah. yeah. They'll be on the, in the next few months, those pills will be in, in the marketplace. So when it comes to, when you talk about 150,000 people have died um, from the vaccines, I'm curious, is that from the VAR, the, the, VAR, the VAERS report? Because I no. know, I, okay, so that's just from no. a lot of other this is research. From, uh, analysts that I trust who've looked at the VAERS data and done a lot of which is way which is way underreported by the way oh the harvard study which was done a few years ago said the vast data may only be one percent of the real truth out there just one percent right. so you can multiply it by a hundred the vast data i think right now is up maybe maybe around twenty thousand uh vaccine deaths well that's just a total insanity it's it's i believe the hundred and fifty thousand number it was done by a very terrific analyst who's done a lot of great work he's looked at it very very closely so i i use the 150,000 number now even if you just meet in the middle and kind of meet around like 90,000 to 100,000 deaths <laughs> in 2 years and and when you compare it to things like 911 and pearl harbor like you did in, in the beginning stages of the podcast in 2 years that's an an alarming amount of deaths due to a vaccine Absolutely. and that's not for the greater good type of thing. Like when people try to say, yeah, vaccines are good and only a minimal amount of people die. This isn't a minimal, minimal amount of people. It's 90 to a hundred thousand people. That's a lot of people. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I was just curious on, on where we could and find that information. Way, if you like, if you look back into the history of vaccines in the United States, they used to take vaccines off the market. If just a few hundred people died. Right. <laughs> So I mean I didn't I didn't know that that the, the actual recorded number in the VAERS report was twenty thousand. That's still even crazy. I think it's me. up to that now. Yeah, that's the amount of people that live in the city. That's just and by the way, uh, we have better data from the European Union, and their numbers for vaccine deaths are way up there too. Okay. Yeah. So what's the next step? How am I, I mean, so you think that the boosters are going to last just a little bit longer than they're going to roll these pills out? No, they just they just add another three or four months of a little bit of resistance to the virus. Doesn't make any not sense. Not much longer than that. And by the way, in Israel, if you look at the data from Israel, 
they're already well into their booster shots, okay? People are now dying after having three and four booster shots, okay? I mean, it's, in, it's incredible. So the, the breakthrough infections are still going on in people not only been vaccinated with, you know, two or three shots, but now several booster shots, okay? Israel is off the charts. I, 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 uh, <clears throat> I put out a graph the other day. I have a, a newsletter that I, that I have on Substack, which you ought to subscribe to if you haven't. And uh, I put some things on Substack that I don't publish anywhere else. And I like to put up uh, graphs or, or uh, pictures of the data. And I put up some stuff showing how Israel was completely off the chart. I mean, a very high rate of vaccination, extremely high, and a very high death rate, okay? <laughs> the two go hand in hand. So uh, that, again, all I can say is that all the data, if anyone believes in scientific data, then all of the available data, if you're honest about it, tells you that these vaccines are ineffective and unsafe, okay? And if you ask, well, why are people using them? Because the government is forcing people to use them. Other than that, there's no rational justification for using them. I still uh, promote the protocols uh, that I, it's in my book, Pandemic Blunder. Uh, I've been promoting for two years now almost, uh, the use of, of vitamins and supplements. There's a, there's a cocktail that I promote, vitamin D, vitamin C, quercetin and zinc. Those four together, I take them every day. Hey, sounds like a pre-workout. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, we have the science telling us yeah. that these things work, okay? Especially vitamin D. Have you gotten yeah. COVID, doctor? No, I haven't gotten COVID. No. You haven't yet? No, no. So I, I think it's kind of weird. Like right now, I know it's flu season, um, typically right around this time in the United States, especially in the Midwest. Um, and if when you're online, and, and, and I don't get on Facebook, my wife tells me this, but I mean, the kids are getting sick and adults are getting sick at an alarming rate, more so than, you know, as an adult being 32, I've never heard of just like everyone talking about everyone just getting sick. Just the amount of, like right now, how it's going on. It's just, it's... Well, it's, but is it, is it flu or is it COVID? I don't know. <laughs> What happened, to, of, what happened to the flu? Is it, does it exist anymore? It does exist. But by the way, there's some wonderful research, and I, I haven't published on this yet. There's wonderful research from a number of universities in the States that says if you take a flu shot, it actually helps you fight COVID. Okay? So <laughs> I, I always get flu. I get a strong flu shot every year. Um, but I don't know how much whether hospitals, I don't think the hospitals are being honest in any of the data that the hospitals are reporting, okay? Are they, you know, what are they counting as flu or COVID? We don't really know. Uh, so can we bring it back? All these, you know, there are, I want to make the point that there are financial incentives for hospitals when people come in sick, maybe they have the flu, but the hospital will make 50000 or $100,000 more if they count them as COVID illnesses. It's been that okay. way. So, that information has actually been out for a while. Now. But how I, I've been talking about that for how are the how, how are the what feels like too long. They so they no longer use the PCR test, correct? To find out. No, they're still to... using PCR. OK, but by the way, here's another thing that how Fauci and CDC screwed up. 
the PCR test is a terrible test, but the one way they could have made it honest, it would if CDC would have said, when you run the PCR test, never go beyond 25 cycles. It's the kind of test we it runs in cycles. So what did most people do when they ran PCR tests for the last, well, two years now almost? They ran it 50, yeah? That, that's exactly right. They ran it up to 35, 40, and 50 cycles. Well, once you go beyond 25 cycles, all you have is false positives. But that was a way to gin up the data, okay? That was a, a way for a hospital to say, oh, you know, we got a positive PCR test. That's a COVID patient. That's more money in our pocket, okay? So how that's they, just a, how do another they, example. How do the in-home tests work? Are those shit or what oh, are they? I, I did an article about that too. And that was another failure, a Fauci failure. We should have promoted these rapid, what they call antigen tests. You get a result in 15 minutes, okay? That's a blood test, rapid, right? Huh? That's a blood test, right? Uh, it is. It's a blood test, but it's a quick test. Uh, very quick test. No, there are different versions of it, different types, but I, I had it done. I went into my uh, doctor's office. I, my, I had a sore throat. What's the first thing they did? They said, we're going to test you for COVID. We'll be back in 15 minutes to, with the result. It was one of those fast tests. But the point is, the difference between Europe and the United States. In Europe, they, especially the UK, they freely give out these fast home test kits, antigen tests. A lot of them are free or they're extremely low cost. Every household should have a supply of antigen tests. Just like you have a supply of Band-Aids or a thermometer, you should have antigen tests. And the way to keep, the, 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 uh, keep down the number of people going into hospitals where they are going to die is to do home testing and to find out whether or not you have COVID. Do the home test to find out. And if you really get a positive test, then think about going to a doctor and try to get some medical help. But Europe has done such a better job of, of getting these home tests out, either free or extremely low cost. In the United States, here's what you face. Either you cannot find a home test because they're scarce, or you have to pay anywhere from $25 to $100. That's too much money because you really want to get a supply of the antigen test to keep it home. And a family couldn't afford, I mean, if it costs $25 a test, that's just too much money for a family. Yeah. Especially you need a supplier then. You want to be able to take a home test frequently. And that's another failure of our public health establishment. They never promote, promoted, CDC never promoted these, these home test kits. And FDA never promoted, you know, by the way, rather than give these vast sums of money to pay for vaccines, okay, yep, yep. why not pay, give the public free home test kits? And ivermectin. It would have been a lot cheaper <laughs> than paying for the vaccines. And, and have ivermectin widely available for people to try. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the side effects are small. That, that's just what gets me, how backwards we are and how, how much follow the money, let's line the pockets of these, these corporate elites 
as opposed to and, and, and again, what what surprises me when you talk about that is Europe and that they're doing these things, but yet it's still draconian over there. I don't know. It's just it's kind of weird, but oh, I, it's, it's the same problem, but it's the political problem that you talked about. The governments everywhere are tending to be authoritarian. They're tending to, again, want to use their political power over the public. So that's happened in Europe, too. I mean, they've done a lot of smarter things in Europe than in the United States. But when you look at the numbers, you know, you can look at some of the countries in Europe, their death figures are far better than ours. Again, I want to emphasize that the death rate in the United States is really, really bad. But are they still worse? Are they still doing the, you know, if you die from a heart attack, but you had COVID, you, you died from COVID type of thing? They are still doing that here. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, those numbers are inflated a little bit. Yes, absolutely. But we don't know. Again, that's why they, you know, that they, they changed the language. CDC <laughs> changed the language at some point, And now they say COVID related deaths. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the term of art. The other thing that I'll, I'll mention to you, because we haven't said it yet tonight, is that CDC changed the definition of vaccine at some point. So because these COVID vaccines are not really vaccines. They are genetic therapies, okay? So what did CDC do at some point? They did it, I think, around September 1st, I think, October 1st. They changed, officially changed the definition of vaccine, okay? I wrote wrote an article about this. They changed it in such a way so that these COVID vaccines would now be legitimate. But the old definition of vaccine, which had been around a long time. Like Webster Marion. Well, it it didn't fit the COVID vaccine. So so this is how the government is so perverse in what they do. You know, again, again, to legitimize these COVID vaccines, they actually changed the definition of vaccine. Isn't that insane? And they also changed the definition of anti-vaxxer as well to, to fit that if you don't agree with the COVID vaccine, you're an anti-vaxxer. And there's a lot of people out there who, especially you, doctor, you're all for, you know, previous vaccines. And like you said, that this truly technically isn't a, a, isn't a vaccine until recently when they changed the name, but you're technically an anti-vaxxer and you've been in the practice for 50 years and you've been promoting all these vaccines. That's the craziest part. Well, you know, I'll I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you way back in January, I, I got the COVID vaccine. That was before I had done a lot of the research that I since have done. Would I take the vaccine today? No, I wouldn't. Would I take a booster today? No, I don't. I wouldn't. But I did take it way back in January because I work in a hospital. I had opportunity to take it early. And I took it. And luckily, I didn't get sick from taking the vaccine. I mean, it's all a gamble, you know, whether you get sick from the vaccine or you don't, whether you die from it or you don't. It's all a a crapshoot. It's a gamble. But I did take the vaccine at that point, but I wouldn't today. Uh, I'm not telling people what to do, but I think there are valid alternatives to the taking the vaccine. I'm with the anti-mandate crowd. I don't consider myself so much an anti-vaccine person, but right. I am anti-mandate. I think there are sound reasons why lots of people should, in their own mind, and with the help of their physician, I wrote a a paper which was uh, published widely about personalized medicine. And that is another failure of our public health system. 
Personalized medicine means doctors should have medical freedom. They should treat their patients, okay, in the best way possible based on their, their credentials and their clinical experience, okay? Personalized medicine, it means make the medicine fit the person. And what we've done in the United States is we've never promoted personalized medicine in terms of fighting this pandemic. So we lost medical freedom, the freedom for doctors and the freedom for patients to choose, like if they want ivermectin or whatever. So I believe in what they call personalized medicine. And uh, I've written articles about that. So everywhere I see, you know, there was always a better way of doing things. And pretty much everything that our government and Fauci has done from the very beginning has been wrong. What they've promoted has been wrong. And what they have dismissed and not promoted has been a catastrophe, a sad situation. There's no reason why hundreds of thousands of people should die from, actually, these days, my view is virtually nobody should die from COVID. Uh, you know, the practices of George Farid and, and Tyson in California, et cetera, these doctors, these frontline doctors, they don't lose patients. <laughs> you know, what they're doing, the protocols that they're using is better than what the hospitals are doing. They don't lose any patients. Word of mouth travels fast. It travels fast. And so my next question would be is, um, like you said, whenever the pandemic first happened and you, you had an opportunity to take the vaccine and you took that. And um, I remember having you on last podcast kind of talking about this a little bit. But why are so many doctors falling in, into line with what the government wants? Like whenever yes. we're, we're expecting a third child here at my household. And the first thing when we do when we go to the OBG is he looks at my wife and he's like, um, have you got the COVID vaccine yet? And my wife's like, well, no, I haven't. And he's like, what can I do to change your mind? Why are so many doctors falling That's in? That's the opposite of my OB. Yeah. I'm actually expecting my first kid. And the OB that I go to said, you know, it's it's up to you. But if if you've done your research, she literally, like very subtly, because she couldn't say it out loud, but literally steered me in the other direction of the COVID vaccine. She was like, if you if you immediately want the COVID vaccine, she was like, you will, you probably haven't done your research. So I just want you to go home and do your research about it and really talk it over. I could definitely tell she was, couldn't outright say it, but she was steering That's us right. in the other direction. But so my question is, and I'd, I'd love that your OBG did that. Why are so many doctors falling in line with the, the protocols of the government in Fauci? Yes. Well, that's a good question. And the answer is because 90 plus percent of all physicians in the United States work for corporations. They may be hospitals, they may be medical practices, healthcare organizations. These corporations have to follow government guidance. So the only doctors like um, the ones that I've mentioned, Fareed and Tyson and, and Zelenko, these are independent practitioners. They don't work for corporations. So there are only a few hundred doctors, few hundred, out of maybe a million in the United States who are doing the right thing, giving out and using ivermectin, et cetera, et cetera. But Only it, a few hundred of those doctors. But it's in the back of the, it's in the back of their heads. Is it not like you were a doctor for such a long time? These people, they have to be like, when they're not saying, Hey, you should take ivermectin. Isn't this in the back of their head? They went to school for like eight to 10 years. What, like, what's, minus the, what's the oath? Like what's the oath that you have to take 
Hippocratic oath. The Hippocratic oath. Like, doesn't that, you know, go against that? Is it the fact that monetary things are happening and now they're not doing that? I I think they're not obeying their Hippocratic oath if they're if they're following government guidance and, and corporate guidance, okay? I mean, I had a conversation with my own uh, doctor, <laughs> my <laughs> primary care doctor, and I couldn't, I couldn't communicate well with him because he couldn't see where I was coming from. He said he has no choice. He has to follow <laughs> what, he, he belongs to a, a corporation. He works for a major healthcare organization. So he, he doesn't see that he has any freedom. He doesn't, in fact, he doesn't have medical freedom, okay? That's the reality out there. Plus, I've had a, a, con- a conversation with my cardiologist, and he says he just doesn't have the time to do his own medical research, okay? I, you know, I'm a retired person. I spend a zillion hours a week reading the medical literature, you know? Practicing physicians don't have the time to do their own research. They have to trust what the corporation, their bosses are telling them. They trust what the government is saying. And that's sadly the nature of our system. Again, only a few hundred, a few hundred in the whole country, people like George Fareed and Dr. Zelenko, who are independent physicians. There are two organizations, I belong to them, America's Frontline Doctors and the uh, American Association of Physicians and Surgeons. These. These are organizations that independent physicians belong to, okay? But again, 90 plus percent of doctors in the United States don't have medical freedom because they work for corporations. Wow. That, and, that, and that's sad because, I mean, going to a doctor, I feel like that they would give me the best option for me to survive. No. And, and, and I've, I've looked past it, but just having a doctor on and kind of having that conversation, it's I think it's important because... A lot of people trust their, their, the information that they get from their doctors. And what's sad, and like you said, 800,000 people have died, plus another million, plus another 150,000 from the vaccine. Like, it's a lot of death going on in the past two years. And people aren't getting the right answers from their doctors that they, you know what I'm saying? That's frustrating, especially yes. in the in, in It's the, also a lot of volume in just in general to, you know, that's chaotic within itself. It's just the yeah, numbers right. of patients and, you know, compared to doctors. And that's you know, that's going to cause issues within itself, even outside of a pandemic. But not, you know. to, but not to get a straight answer. I think that's what's sad is that you, you, you can't go to the doctor. Like, so, so my big question, this, this is almost goes outside of the pandemic and COVID and everything. Are there enough doctors and nurses and medical staff for uh, the population in America right now compared no. to the staffing? No, we don't know. It takes a longer time for me to get an appointment. My own experience I used to be able to get an appointment with my doctors within a few days. Now it's typically a week or two weeks to get an appointment, okay? So, and and by the way, I really admire all the physicians and nurses around the country who refuse to take the vaccine shots. There are a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And the reason they were seeing firsthand the bad effects of the vaccine on people, on their patients, that's why they're refusing to take the vaccine shots. So, but we don't have enough uh, people anymore. By the way, there's a, a severe shortage. I used to work in nursing homes too. And I'll tell you, there is a severe shortage of personnel in nursing homes. 
it's a terrible situation, okay? They, they can't find enough people to work in nursing homes. So there are a lot of sad things in our total health system in the United States. And the pandemic has only made things worse and worse and worse. How do you get your smell and taste back? Yeah, you can't, by the way, this interesting piece of research out of the United Kingdom, uh, they did brain scans and they found the reason why people lose their sense of smell or taste. That's because you the, uh, the COVID infection, when you get a really bad infection, it actually destroys brain tissue. So they actually showed through brain scans that people were missing parts of their brain. And it was that part of the brain that accounts for smell and taste. So you don't get it back. No, not necessarily. No, unless it doesn't, it unless it doesn't destroy enough brain cells, type of thing. Right, but but it doesn't necessarily come back. So you have this long COVID kind of thing they talk about. People are having very very bad medical effects long after they they think they got over the COVID infection. Okay, and it turns out they're having effects for months, and they will probably have bad medical effects for years, years. And that's what they call long COVID. And I can tell you one of the researchers that I have the greatest respect for, Paul Alexander, uh, just reading some of his latest work, and I haven't said this yet today to you, the taking the vaccines, the COVID vaccines, they are producing the variants these increasing numbers of bad variants like Delta, the more people that are vaccinated, the more you will get new variants of this virus. It turns out to be one of the craziest things going on, but that's, that's what these vaccines do to your system. They actually create variants of the virus that will escape, that you transmit, you know, the one thing to be clear, once you're vaccinated with a COVID vaccine, you don't, you still get the, the virus in your it's body. It's so stupid. It shouldn't be called a vaccine. Say that again. It shouldn't be called a vaccine at that point then. No, that's not a vaccine. I know, but we're using the term. But my point is that the fact is that you, these vaccines, fake vaccines, don't kill the virus in your body. And they don't stop you from transmitting that virus to other people. And what's happening, the more people that are vaccinated, the more, the more variants get created and get transmitted, okay? To other people. To other people. So, for instance, and I, and I, I, I it's been two should, years. Should we quarantine against, like, vaccinated people? It's something. So, <laughs> I have not had COVID up, and, and I don't know, I've never taken a test. I probably shouldn't even be publicly saying this, but whatever. Two weeks ago, I it, it happened. So two years, I've been in the in in the industry, food industry, been exposed to hundreds, if not thousands, of tens of thousands of people. I no longer have my smell and taste. I don't have it. It's gone for two years. Like I've been around all these people, but why do all of a sudden do I just? Why does this happen to me? You know what I'm saying? It's just the weirdest shit. And you haven't been tested. No, I have not. The COVID. Uh. Uh-uh. Well, the loss of smell and taste is the one of the real signs that you've had COVID. For sure, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. 
But I'm saying, like, why all of a sudden, like, if I've been around people who have had it, and I think that's what you were discussing previously. You could have been, you you could have caught it. Let's be clear about this. The vast majority of people who get COVID are asymptomatic. They don't have serious symptoms, okay? But what you, if you got, if you did, in fact, uh, you had gotten COVID at some point, what you now have is natural immunity. And Paul Alexander, this great researcher that I like, he just came out with a number last week or so. He thinks that two thirds of Americans, two thirds of Americans, that's over 200 million people, have natural immunity because they were infected at some point with the COVID virus. They didn't get terribly ill or ill at all, okay? But they got, as a result, natural immunity, which protects them better than vaccine immunity. Now, here's the real problem. People who have natural immunity, who get vaccinated, their immune system gets screwed up. And they now are at greater risk of health problems down the road because of the combination of vaccine immunity and natural immunity. But there's no protocols for people who have tested, who have not yet had a vaccine. If they, <laughs> were, the to, if they were to get tested and say that, yeah, I've had, I've had COVID, their physicians would still say, hey, you need to get vaccinated. See, the problem is, again, again, a failure of Fauci and the public health establishment. They have never been willing to give credit, credit for natural immunity so that you can prove, by the way, you can do a test to show whether you have natural immunity. You can do a blood test. They don't want to promote that. And they don't want to give people with natural immunity credit so then they wouldn't take the vaccine shot. Now, this is, again, evil, evil. 100%. 100% evil. And, and by the way, there are some places in Europe and even a few, uh, one healthcare system in Michigan, which if you show that you have natural immunity, you don't have to get the vaccine shot. But that should have been a, a national kind of thing that we, a policy. Worldwide. That we should have, you know, if you have natural immunity, you don't have to, you know, you, you should qualify, you should get a piece of paper, you should take a test and get a, a credential, <laughs> just like a vaccine card, you should have a natural immunity card, okay, so that, you know, look at all of these crazy, you know, lockdowns and, and uh, things going on, green passes and all these stupid things going on, you know, doesn't make any sense. There's no science, there's no good science being used here at all. I think that's the, the, the thing that frustrates me the most, you know, and is that good science isn't being used the way it should be. No. And if people who, people who have natural immunity, that should be a worldwide thing. Hey, man, if you have natural immunity, you're good to go. Let's that's make it happen. And I know that there's probably studies and st- statistics in countries where the vaccine isn't as prevalent and you have a lot of natural immunity going on um, where it's a good thing for that population. Sweden, Sweden is an example of that. They think the reason why Sweden has some very good statistics is because they didn't lock down a lot. The countries that did not lock down got better levels of natural immunity. And that's what it's all about. Well, yeah. we're a little bit over the, the over yeah. the hours, so I don't know if there's anything any lasting thoughts that you have, Jesse, that you might want to ask the doctor. Oh man, so many, but that's going to translate into like Just a ask him a quick one. Absolute wormhole. Oh. 
I don't even have a quick one. There, there is no quick one within this. We got time for one more question, man. If it, even if it, if his answer is like a, a minute or two. <laughs> so, oh man, I guess the big thing for me during that conversation was the fact that my entire life, a vaccine has been defined as giving you immunity to something. Like I've been vaccinated for a bunch of stuff where I had to go to school. Sure. You know, yeah, like being you know a young that. kid going in, going into kindergarten. This is so much different. This is such a weird thing to see this play out where they come out with a vaccine, quote unquote vaccine, and and you take it, but it really doesn't work. You still test positive. There's still this. You need you need the boosters. Oh, you can still get sick and die from it. I'm like, well, that's well, that's not a vaccine. Right. I guess that's just the big one for me, because every other vaccine that I've ever heard or read about the polio vaccine, all this. Yes. Um, I mean, you, you took it and it worked really well and it took years to figure out how to make it this, everything that's been going on is completely different and, and right. it's just, it's just it's weird and wonky and it raises questions. But once again, I mean, that's just, man, that's just going yeah. back to like what well, we were your talking observation about earlier. Is, your observation is correct. It's a sham. The whole thing is a sham. The whole thing has been a scam, a sham. And, uh, it's all evil, absolutely evil. These vaccines should never have been approved. They were never adequately tested and they don't work and they're not safe. And <laughs> that's why every day I look at death data and I'm always amazed how many people are dying every day all over the world. Five, by the way, the global figure for COVID deaths globally is over 5 million. Now, now we're talking genocide. When you have over 5 million dead from this virus, <laughs> now we're talking genocide because in my mind, all of those deaths could have been prevented with the right generic drugs, with the vitamin D, with everything we've talked about, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, it just, there was no reason why over 5 million people have died globally. That's that's genocide. Oh yeah, and, and and I hate to say this, but if you start looking at motive and looking at certain individuals that made a lot of money from being able to pull out stocks, uh, whenever the stock market crashed, right when everything closed, which I don't even know what's going on with those individuals. I'm sure that they'll be just fine. Yeah, and won't see time behind bars. You start seeing a lot of motives uh, behind shutting things down. Like the last big one for me, which I compared this to. A lot was uh, whenever you had the stock market crash back in what was the twenties, if I remember correctly, that the stock market crash of twenties um, or thirties, and then everybody else was able to buy up uh, a bunch of a bunch of stuff like transfer of wealth, basically is what I was talking about. This was a massive transfer of, of wealth that happened throughout twenty twenty. Um, and so much business, real estate, um, like brick and mortar even being bought up through, through what happened there. It's just, I, I, you see, at least for me, which I hate to be like, ignorance is bliss, right? Like I'd love to just sit back and be like, oh man, you know, sit at home. I'll stay inside until the government lets me leave my house. All this, that sounds great. But to actually like look at it as a whole, I'm like, man, it's just, this overarching manipulation of everyday people is what has taken place. Well, you know, just let me say this to you. 
I'm just giving you fact. All the top executives at Moderna and Pfizer have all become billionaires. <laughs> they weren't already? That kind of blows no, my mind. They weren't, they weren't until these vaccines really took off, okay? So all of the top executives at those two companies have become billionaires. So, you know, the other great statistic, by the way, just to throw out at you, to show you how crazy the world is. More people have died in 2021 than in 2020. In 2020, we didn't have any vaccine use. So in 2021, with all of this vaccine use, more people have died. Just keep that in mind. So, but I'm tired. I'm tired of talking, guys. So no, no, you're no, good. No, absolutely. Because then we go down this dismal road, which I know is terrible. And I even have troubles doing this podcast sometimes because I have to. Man, you have to step away from this. You cannot immerse well, yourself. I'm doing it every day. You know, I'm, it, I'm, dude. I'm, and I'm, my heart goes out to you because it's <laughs> it's a shit show. And you know what? Yeah. And it's not worth your life, the one life that you get on this planet, to be thinking about this constantly. There is other things, which I, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you're just being distracted. You need to be fighting this. No. Enjoy your life yeah. a little bit. There, there are times where, you know, we can come on here and we could talk about, you know, uh, like positive things. There are positive, beautiful things that happen in this world that can be talked about, too. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. almost like the evil's winning two times over, you know, the fact that we're wasting good years of our life, you know, just, I don't know. Yeah, but uh, I, I feel a, a kind of moral obligation to get good information out to the public. I'm 82. I'm 82. So I never expected to be working this hard every day. I enjoy what I'm doing, in a sense, but I never thought at 82 I'd, been, I'd be working this hard. <laughs> You know, I'm writing every day. I'm researching every day. I'm doing a zillion podcasts. I probably have done a hundred podcasts, uh, but I feel a moral obligation. That's my weakness. I, I want to get the public. That is not a weakness, sir. That is not informed, a weakness. Okay, you're rocking it out, doctor. You're that, anyway. That I want to say good night, guys, because I'm yeah. tired. Appreciate <laughs> yes, you. Hey, yes, thank you for your time. Absolutely. Um, and I'll put all the links below where we can, they can find your articles and your book and all that good stuff. So. I appreciate um, that. All that will appreciate be down in the description below. Dr. Joel Hirshhorn, it's always a pleasure to have on have you on, man. You have a good night. Thank you. Thank you guys. Yeah.